0: Everybody, this is episode 17 of Yo MTG Taps. I am Joey Pasco, and this with me is my guest at my house, but he's my co-host on the show, <laughs> Big Head Joe Paniska, who happens to share my exact constructed rating.
1: This. This, this, <laughs> this, this thing over here. <laughs> this thing in orange. This thing is known as the Big Head Joe. <laughs> That's right. This is take two, by the way. That's folks. right, we, we've we done re- this before. We recorded like ten minutes and just kind of sat here we were like, you know what? We should probably just...
0: Start over. So uh, we've wanted to welcome some new listeners, any new listeners from Starkington Post or O2Drop.com. We uh, we are now featured on both of those websites. What's up? Pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty exciting for us. Um, you can visit our website at IWantMyMTG.com. You can download all our past episodes, keep up with any kind of show news, um, and any kind of, like, you know little blog post we decide we want to do.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I might just eventually put all my blog posts on there, but I haven't put any on there yet, so we'll see.
0: We'll see what happens, but yeah, check it out. Keep up, uh, you know, keep checking... I want my mtg.com for any kind of cool updates. So, um. Ho-
1: hope some of you enjoyed the April Fool's Day joke. We said that we had an exclusive spoiler and that it was Mana Drain. And, uh, just for the record, Mana Drain is not, as we know yet, being printed in Rise of the Eldrazi.
0: I don't think the word drain comes up in the orb, so <laughs> I'm pretty go. sure it doesn't check out. But, uh, but the big news, of course, today is it Donovan McNabb has been traded to the Washington Redskins. That's right, that's in, right. In case you haven't heard.
1: You would think that it would be, that, would, that it wasn't opening day for baseball season or not, the way they're talking about it on the radio. Baseball's
0: that thing where they wear a mask. One of them does. And a stick.
1: And there, one and of the guys wears a mask. Another
0: guy wears a stick.
1: And the, and the guy standing <laughs> in front of the guy with the mask has a stick, in case the guy with the mask gets any ideas.
0: Oh, got it, got it. You
1: can whack him in the head. Right, right, right.
0: So um, you want to start off with some voicemails?
1: Yes, we should start off with some voice voicemails and some emails. Emails. Well, well, real quick, I mean, we don't actually know who this is. If we if this person's following us on Twitter, we're not aware. You probably
0: don't want to say his email address. Okay. So, so hopeless writer uh, sent us a message.
1: Yeah. If if you send us an email, you should probably put your name on it so we can like say who you are when you right. email us. But thanks for writing anyway. Uh, he just came out. He just sent us a list of like. Just a deck he's working on. Right. We don't really want to spend too much time today discussing deck lists, but one really interesting interaction he brought up was the interaction between Jinn of Wishes and the Eldrazi, uh, because when you use Jinn of Wishes ability, um, it counts as casting the card you reveal. So,
0: right. So it, it actually it's cheating the Eldrazi into play, but also giving them um, you know the casting bonus. Because what Gin of Wishes says is, um, two blue and too colorless, remove a wish counter from Gin of Wishes. He comes into play with three, uh, wish counters. Um, reveal the top card of your library, you may play that card without paying its mana cost if you don't exile it. So, um, basically you reveal a top card and it's an Eldrazi, you're playing it, uh, just not paying its mana cost, so you get the casting bonus, which is pretty awesome, I didn't think about it, um... It definitely didn't occur to me. Gin of Wishes was one of those cards I was really excited about in uh, in M10. And then it just... I had four of them sit in my binder since then. So, voicemail.
2: Hey, guys. Mr. Scotty Mack here from uh, Toronto. Listen, I just listened to your episode 15 podcast. Great work. Good milestone, guys. 15. Holy crap. <laughs> Seems like forever. Listen, uh, I've been reading a bunch of Twitter posts and all that stuff. I know... Uh, just started following Jonathan Medina as well, and I know he recently posted that he's smashing Jund with his uh, his blue-white uh, hate list. And I just, I really what I wanted to say is I just wish there was a way for us to beat the living tar out of Jund without resorting to playing main deck cards like Flash Freeze and Celestial Purge. Great cards in their own right, but really, like, I understand the metagame call, but can't we just have a deck that's going to play well against all of the decks, including Jund? I don't know. Maybe I'm dreaming and on some sort of wish list, and maybe it's the hangover talking, but no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, I just, call me crazy. I, I just wish there was a better way. That's all. Thanks.
0: So uh he doesn't like Jund. No. No. He doesn't well I mean
1: I think that the answer is uh mythic Bant, if you want me to be honest.
0: I guess we can kinda of just resign ourselves to it being around for the next, you know, six months. Hopefully we'll see something in Rise of the Eldrazi that will make it um more difficult for Jund to uh, to win, I suppose. Or or in M eleven. I mean in M ten we got great sablestag for uh for fairies. Mainly, I think that card was targeting fairies, but I also think it was targeting um, five-color control as well. Mm -hmm. So, maybe we'll get something like that. Yeah, it's kind of like late, but better late than never. I think a lot of people feel the same way about Jund. I think right now we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, But yeah, Mythic Bant seems to be roughly evenly matched with it. Mythic Bant
1: has a great game one against Jund. Like, it has an incredible game one. Um, the matchup is is pretty tough, um, and the the build that I'm playing right now runs four copies of Elspeth, um, which just throws dudes over their chump blocker army. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it throws big dudes usually, right? Um, and I, I I think that seems to be. A good strategy. I don't know how long it'll stay that way, but right now I'm just playing around, you know, because we got a new set in three weeks, and yeah. I'm probably going to change the deck around once this new set comes out. But I'm still sticking with the bant base unless I decide to go like cut a color. I'm not sure yet, though. Right, um, but
0: for the moment, that's your plan. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it seems it seems good against Jund. Um,
0: yeah, I mean. Jund is just a really good deck, and I think deck. Blue-White Control seems to have a decent matchup against it as well, at least uh, in my experience. It, it's not I'm not going to say it's more than 50%, but it's at least a fair matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play tight and you get the right cards, you can win, and I think, you know, I guess that's just the best we can do right now. I mean, you can make an entire Jund hate deck like John Medina did, and then go to FNM and not see any jun decks like John Medina apparently did according to his twitter <laughs> um he, he uh you know he brought his jun killer killer yeah over to, uh, to FNM and didn't actually play against John so and that's the danger of building a deck that way and that's kind of what Scott is saying um yeah, about
1: mean, if, if you over prepare for like one specific archetype you know that's the day that your luck's gonna (laughs) run out getting paired against that deck all day, you know, like...
0: So that's the challenge, like, if you don't want to play Jund, or even if you do want to play Jund, you need to be prepared against Jund, primarily, but you also need to make sure your deck can play against other strategies. And uh, that's just, that's the challenge of it. Well, the
1: one thing that John did say was that, you know... He was like, metagame be damned. I wanna play that I, I just wanna smash Jund every time I sit across from him. Yeah. So he was like, I don't care about results. I just like against other decks. Like, oh, right, right, right. He's like, I just want to like make Jund players cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just knocking all the Jund,
0: I'm knocking all the Jund players out of the tournament, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of thing. So
1: I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, well I guess before we go to the next email, we could real quickly just talk about John's uh, blog since uh yeah
0: we have mentioned mtgmetagame.com on the podcast before um, John actually just um, just updated it with a whole new look and he's got some uh, beyond just being his own blog he's got guest writers on here so he, he's kind of he, he's going all out improving his website and uh, kind of diversifying so it's not just a blog anymore from him it's actually like a magic strategy website and i mean it looks fantastic i'm um, jealous if you uh, if you haven't seen it yet check out mtgmetagame.com uh, he's, he's cool. got
1: he's got a great article on there right now called uh, the myth of ripping people off yeah which i thought was a really great uh, informative article absolutely
0: yeah he he um he had written an article on quietspeculation.com called top level trading and um, that article is definitely worth reading. And then as a, uh, a response to a lot of the comments he was getting, he wrote The Myth of Ripping People Off, which is available on both mtgmetagame.com and quietspeculation.com. Both of those articles are really, really good for anybody who trades, which is pretty much everybody, right? right. I mean, come on. Um, but while, we're, while we mentioned uh, Quiet Speculation, I wanted to mention Kelly Reed's article, which... Uh, Kelly um, Reed runs Quiet Speculation, but he also writes for Mananation.com. On Mananation, Kelly Reed's most recent article is, um, is called Practice Makes Possible, and uh, this is one of those, like, articles that you just need to read it. Uh, it, it's one of those theory articles that kind of, it's a classic, it's almost yeah. like an instant classic, so definitely check that out mananation.com possibly article of the year so far
1: i mean, young year it, yeah i mean like i can't think of too many others that have uh that rival at have all blown my mind as much as this article did so. Yeah, it's,
0: it's fantastic it's it's about tournament preparation and um and he you know he really makes some interesting and absolutely true points about preparing for tournaments and and how to go about like uh making sure your brain is focused on playing technically perfect magic. Yeah,
1: I'd say each person who reads this article and follows what it says can probably thank Kelly Reed for at least one additional win. Yeah. At their like next tournament or G P or whatever. I mean like it's it's that I feel like it's that vital. You yeah. Know, it's just really good.
0: Do so you want to move on to the next uh next voicemail we have? Yeah. There? So here we have a message from about uh Two, three weeks ago, from our buddy Keith, um, who who had this to say.
2: Alright, so you finally made me do it. Pasco beat my ass with control on Friday night. So I've decided that if you can't beat him, I'm going to join him. So that's it. I finally done it. I got counter spells in the deck. One for you, Joe, in particular. One. I'm going to counter just your whole life. Uh, So, anyway. Uh, coming soon to a theater near you is Keith Cooper's a Red-Green Optimus Prime Control.
1: Red-Blue.
2: Red-Blue, yes, Red-Blue Optimus Prime Control. I'm turning into a goddamn Mack truck, and I'm steamrolling your asses.
1: Peace out.
0: So Keith has a uh, a control deck.
1: <laughs> Are you laughing about the Red-Green? No,
0: i just laughing about the fact that he, he, he took the time to send us this message to build this deck, and he... He he only showed it to me on uh, at FNM and he didn't even play the deck that that day.
1: Do you want to play Elves?
0: I don't know what he ended up playing because I didn't end up playing against him. Um, but he didn't play that, I don't think.
1: He always he always brings a deck to the tournament mm-hmm. and then like Audibles to Elves at like the last second. Like, yeah, it seems like that he does that more often than not. and It's kind of hilarious. He's like, I want to play this deck. I want to play this deck. And then he gets there and he's like, I'm playing Elves. <laughs> Yeah, it's like all right, cool. Play elves. I mean, it's fine. He
0: should play what he's comfortable with. That's yeah. really what it boils down to. What he likes. Don't you know? He he uh, he hates control decks. If he doesn't enjoy playing control, don't play control, Keith. Play your your elves deck. It's fine. You've beat me with it, so it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like it's you can't beat me or we'll something. Beat me pretty
1: good with it on Friday. Yeah.
0: So uh, play what you're comfortable with. But yeah, if you have your control deck and you want to play against me, that's fine. I'll play you. So. uh. So I think that does it for, uh, for the emails and voicemails. And if you want to email us, if you've got
1: anything you want to talk to us about, email us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Uh, you can just email us. I mean, a lot of we do get a lot of emails, but most of them are like, hey, send me free stickers, which is fine. But, right, um, exactly. But if you want some free stickers, send us an email and give us your mailing address and we'll send you out some free stickers. I don't care where in the world you live. Send us a request from anywhere in the world and we will take care of it.
0: So um you know, let's talk about the new spoilers. Oh yeah. We have uh we stopped last week around Sark and the Mad. I think that was the most recent spoiler. So um we I don't we need
1: think the t- Tuscaller was up.
0: Did you want to talk about Tusk caller? Yeah, just briefly. T- Go
1: ahead. Cause I do Tuscaller. costs a green and one. Human Shaman level up one and a green. Starts out as a one one, levels two through five, it becomes a one one. And <laughs> you tap it to put a 3 3 green elephant creature token onto the battlefield. Levels 6 and up, it becomes a 1 1. <laughs> and you tap it to put two 3 3 green elephant creature tokens onto the battlefield. <clears throat> so that's interesting token generation, just always something interesting to note. Most A lot of things that generate tokens always wind up somewhere in standard. So, yeah. Always interesting to mention those. Um. You know I want to talk about this bad boy right here. I think, yeah,
0: I want to talk about it, too. It's great.
1: It's fantastic. So, call me Hydra. This bad boy is a mythic rare. It costs 8 green mana to cast. Green, 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 green green to cast. It's a creature, Hydra. It's an 8, 8. It costs 1 green less to cast for each green creature you control and has trample. So... <clears> hm. <throat> has the potential to be free. Potentially free. This is what Mark Rosewater was
0: talking about when he
1: said... Uh, There's an 8-8 eight,
0: eight trample creature that can that possibly can, be free or something like that. Yeah. Be, be free to play.
1: Pretty beautiful.
0: I mean, chances are if you've got eight green creatures on the on the battlefield, you're uh, winning anyway. So that's the drawback, you know, of it. Or, the, or not necessarily drawback, but it's the win more kind of thing. But really more likely you're gonna end up having like you know, you, you play like a Lanawar Elf and then maybe the next turn you play I don't know, uh, uh maybe just a couple more elves or something. About that, or, or, uh, how about
1: that uh elf that when you level it up you can tap him for two green. Yeah,
0: exactly. So you can um turn one like Lanawar Elf and then turn two uh Jiraga tree speaker um is a uh a one one green elf druid for a green mana and you can level him up for a green and a colorless, and when he's level 1 through 4, you can tap it to add 2 green to your mana pool, so, and it becomes a 1, 2. So it's kind of similar to, like, Finhorn Elder. Um, isn't there... Is there one in M10 that's like... That? Uh,
1: it's actually... Uh, I think it's actually in Zendikar Greenweaver Druid. Or okay. is that in... Uh, Zendikar.
0: look it up. Yeah, it is... Yeah, Green Weaver Druid from Zendikar is a uh, one-one for a green and two colorless, and it taps to add two green. So it's Findhorn Elder. It's Finhorn Elder, exactly. It's effectively Finhorn Elder, but uh, in this case, for the Jiraga Tree Speaker is uh, a level-up creature, so you can play it a turn earlier, and then on turn two, technically, uh, you know, tap tap two green, level it up, and now you get that two green mana right back to, uh, you know, to use for whatever you want to do for that turn. But basically, using a little bit of acceleration, you can end up... What is it? Turn one, you play that. Turn two, level it up, tap it, and play, what, like two elves or something? I don't know. Something like that. So you've got two green creatures on the battlefield. Turn three, you've got... You drop a land. You've got three, four, five, six mana, and two green creatures.
1: Three if you drop two elves. Yeah,
0: three if you drop two elves. Uh, and so then you can tap out for the Colony Hydra. Yeah, maybe five, if had
1: three creatures. So you right, that's what I'm saying. You actually there. would still have mana left you over, You have too. mana left over, so you can finds uh, vines of vast wood to keep him from being tapped. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean,
0: it's really, it's not even that far-fetched to have the uh, the Hydra out on turn three. And that's pretty scary. I love this one. Right so, uh, Artisan of Kozalek. You
1: like that? I Go love ahead. it. It's Artisan of Kozilek, Creature Eldrazi. It's an uncommon. It's a 10-9 for 9. When you cast Artisan of Kozilek, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it has Annihilator too.
0: Love it. So you just want to, like, dump an Eldrazi or something into your graveyard and then play that. <laughs> One of the Eldrazi's that doesn't, Gaia's Blessing, your entire graveyard. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I was just saying, like, you love it, so what do you love about it? Um, talk about it. Well, I just
1: love the fact that it brings another creature into into play with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think that's great and like in a deck that's abusing Eldrazi, um, you know, you could you could use that uh with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm being vague, but like whatever. No, it's it's just an exciting card to me. It has a, you know, um, some uh, exciting possible applications and right. um, looking forward to seeing how I can abuse that card honestly
0: um, Angel Heart Vial I, the art was foiled you know like back in the middle of March and it looked like the art I think is fantastic uh, the card is kind of neat but I kind of feel like it's a little expensive too but then again so is everything in this set um, it's an artifact that costs 5 it's a rare whenever you're dealt damage you may put that many charge counters on Angel Heart Vial Um, tap two and tap it. Remove four charge counters from Angel Heart Vile. You gain two life and draw a card. I don't know. I I feel like... I want to gain life and draw cards. That sounds good. I like that part of it. (laughs) Um, but, you know, it's kind of like you need to take four damage after you've already played, played this. Not that that's crazy to take four damage, but, I mean, you know, you drop this and then... You can gain half of it back and draw a card. I don't know. It seems like an awful lot to put into it to, uh, to get to get that back out of it. There's better ways to draw cards. So let's move on to Hellcarver Demon, oh because this guy's, this guy's awesome. First of all, the artwork by Greg Staples is fantastic. Of course. This guy is so flavorful. He's a mythic rare creature demon. Did you want to read him, or do you want me to continue?
1: 6 6, six. Yeah,
0: he's a 6-6 six, six for 6. Um, 3 colorless and 3 black flying. Whenever Hellcarver Demon deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice all other permanents you control and discard your hand. Exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast any number of non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. It seems like so sick with something. I mean, could you go uh, crazy like Grixis Control with this? You know, Selective Memory... Hellcarver Demon, uh, multiple cruel ultimatums. (laughs) It seems disgusting. You do need to swing and actually connect. You need to to do combat damage. You need to last a turn and you know go unblocked or unmolested. I think there you know there's kind of interesting potential for this guy. It's just such a neat and flavorful card. So interesting.
1: There's so many cards that I just want to like make decks with right now, like... Mm-hmm. Just how it goes, usually, for me. I'm like, oh, oh gonna me all these cards. Yeah. Oh.
0: So now, uh... You wanna move on to this guy? Yeah. This is my favorite card in the set so far. Gideon Jura. He is a white Planeswalker for... two white and three colorless. He comes into play with six loyalty. Planeswalker, Gideon, Mythic Rare. Um, his plus two ability is... During target opponent's next turn... Creatures that player controls attack Gideon Jura if able. His minus two ability is Destroy Target Tapped Creature. And his ultimate ability is zero. Until end of turn, Gideon Jura becomes a 6-6 human soldier creature that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. Um, People are calling him the White Cryptic Command. I am calling him the White Cryptic Command. Not Austere Command, mind you, but the White Cryptic Command. He has so many... Ways to just use him. You use him, somebody attacks you on on their turn, you drop him and kill their creature. So he's removal. And he just sits there too. I just killed you, you know, you swing with whatever, Rafik or something. That's pretty terrible, but, you know, uh, I drop Gideon and now I destroy your Rafik. So he's removal, and then he's still sitting there. He's a fog. He absorbs damage for you. In a control deck, you know, you're trying to stall, you're trying to last longer, you know, tap tap five, drop him, add two counters to him, and have your opponent's creature swing into him. Now, if he's, if you do that and he's at plus eight loyalty, on assuming you use this on the turn he comes into play, uh, they need to hit him for eight to even get rid of him. Otherwise, the next turn, you can use his minus two ability to destroy any of their creatures, um, or you can do it seven. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. They, if they hit him for seven... You wouldn't use his minus two, but if you, they, if if your opponent knocks him down to one, then you, then you start using his. All right, now I'm going to swing back for six. Anyway, uh, my favorite way of using him is to wrath the board, and then activate his zero ability, making him a creature and swing. I mean, he's kind of like a man land in that he he's a creature that doesn't die to wrath if uh, obviously if he's not a creature at the time. I love that. I love that I can you know just basically. Get a free swing in right after a wrath. That's fantastic. I can't wait to play this guy. Um, he's already you know the money rare of the set. Okay, so just to give you an idea, uh, the completed eBay auctions for him: uh, four of them for about 140 bucks, four of them for 110 bucks. So he's somewhere between 25 and 35 dollars right now. On Star City Games, Gideon Jura is uh, is going for 39.99. So just to give you an idea of how much he's going for at the moment. He's absolutely my favorite card in the set. So, we can move on from Gideon. Um, he's great, although, by, by the way, uh, alongside Jace, just because, you know, just to keep your opponent's attackers away from Jace. Pretty cool, too. Like, so, you want to talk about Surreal Memoir? Mm-hmm. Surreal Memoir
1: costs a red and three. It's a sorcery. It's an uncommon. Return an instant card at random from your graveyard to your hand and it has rebound. i think that's great
0: yeah i mean it, it could be interesting i don't know it really depends on what instance you have in your deck you can build around it though it's definitely one of those build around me kind of things right like, every magic card should be a build around me thing except unless it's like some simple staple like you know doomblade or something you don't build around doomblade but you know build around these kind of cards i just think
1: that's great i mean like you can you can set that up pretty easily you know what i mean like mm-hmm. If, if you have, like, one instant in particular that you want to get back three times. You know what I mean? Something that's worth playing three times in a game. Yeah. You know, you just don't cast any instance for a turn or two. You know what I mean? Cast the instant, cast the real memoir, and then cast the instant again, and mm-hmm. then get it back, cast it again. You're getting triple value out of that card, you know what I mean? Right, well,
0: you also make, need to make sure you have the mana to cast the instant, too. Like you can't, Of course. Well, you cast a real memoir, you get the instant back, you want to be able to play it. If you want to get it back again, you want to be have the, the time to play it again. But, right. But, yeah, I mean, you obviously build around that kind of thing. What are some good instants? Um, Path to Exile.
1: Um, and it's cheap enough to be able to do something with that. Um
0: yeah, you're going to ramp the hell out of them. You're <laughs> like, path it, surreal memoir, get my path back, path that. Uh, get my path back, path that. Okay, now you have Eldrazi mana.
1: <laughs> well, if you're playing Red and White, you've got uh, um, Ajani Benjen anyway. At least you better have a Johnny Benjen if you're playing Red and White.
0: So what are you saying? To, to do what? To kill... To
1: eventually blow up all their damn lands. Like, if you're running some sort of, like... Oh, right,
0: but I mean... I th- Path to Exile, I feel like, isn't... I mean, it's an example, but I don't feel like that's one of the better examples because Path is something... Especially now, Path is gaining value because of the Eldrazi because, like, that's kind of one of the only ways to take care of some of them. Um, but at the same time, it helps ramp to the Eldrazi. So, you know, if I, I'm killing something that costs you 4 or 5 mana or something, now you've just got an extra extra Burst, mana.
1: Burst, Lightning... Real memoir for burst lightning, burst lightning, then kick burst lightning.
0: That's that's good. You know that's that's pretty good. Reusing it, especially something with kicker, because you can play it cheap and then play it with the kicker. So pretty neat. Um, we have another uh, threatenish kind of card, which there seem to be a lot of those in standard. We're going to get to another one in, in just a few minutes. But Traitor's Instinct, for example, is a red and three-colorless sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it. Until end of turn, it gets plus two, plus zero, and gains haste. So it's oh, very... That's the uh,
1: card I wish had rebound.
0: Very, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> so we, we've got uh, Act of Treason, and we've got now Traitor's Trader, Instinct. Uh, technically, Sark and Vol does the same kind of thing, stealing a creature... Mm-hmm. Um, vapor Snare, Mind Control. These are all like I'm going to steal your creatures. Well, don't forget Royal ele- Elemental. Royal Elemental because that's such a great card. Um, but no, seriously though, you you stealing other people's creatures, even if for a turn, uh, you know, it seems like something that Wizards is trying to push. And just be just so we can stay on that topic, um, we. Uh, we also have Conquering Manticore, which was um, mm-hmm. which was spoiled on uh, Deck Builder Radio. Um, it's a 5-5 five, five flyer for four colorless and two red. Creature Manticore, it's a rare. When Conquering Manticore enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So this, I think, is pretty cool. The artwork is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think it's a neat creature because, I mean, it's basically, you know, you get this 5-5 flyer, which is nothing terrible at all. 5-5 flyer for 6, okay, that's pushing it now. But you get the Threaten ability, and that can actually make a a big difference, especially in a deck. Now, Now, I think you could go with a Grixis control deck, where control means something entirely different, like... I'm going to uh steal your crap with vapor snare and active tre- uh treason and and I'm going to sacrifice them to Sarkin the mad. You know, so I'm going to take your guy, I'm going to swing with your guy and then I'm going to sacrifice him to give myself a dragon
1: or I keep mean, him with bizarre trader. Or
0: yeah, bizarre trader kind of thing. I mean, who it sounds like kind of like a uh, a timmy deck. It seems like maybe a fun thing to try and there seems seems to be a lot of uh a lot of this in standard right now. So I don't really necessarily think it's viable, but it does seem like something that would be funny. But good luck playing against another control deck, because then all your cards are dead. Another one, I'm sorry, I didn't even remember this, a blue enchantment domestication. Two blue and two colorless enchantment are a you control enchanted creature. At the beginning of your end step, if enchanted creature's power is four or greater, sacrifice domestication. So you can steal something small and just keep it. It's like a cheaper mind control for a lower power creature. But I don't know how good that would be exactly. Because when I play Mind Control, I want your Baneslayer. We already talked about Juraga Tree Speaker, Near-Death Experience. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about that? So cool. Here's why
1: they got rid of Mana Burn. Near-Death Experience and cards like it. Three white and two, mana of any color. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly one life, you win the game. Simple. Elegant, flavorful. All Read the around. flavor
0: the flavor text is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Lands ravaged, cities in ruins, so many lives sacrificed, and yet there was no other word for it but
0: victory. It's pretty cool.
1: It's an awesome card. I think it's great. I the, mean like, the
0: artwork on it is uh, Gideon Jura and like standing in the middle of a battlefield where like just everything around him is dead. It's like a pile of Eldrazi. Yeah, it's like he just beat the hell out of some Eldrazi, which uh Hopefully actually happens in standard, although I don't know how, because none of the Eldrazi are less than, like, 8-8 that we've seen. Yeah. He's beating up the Eldrazi spawn tokens or <laughs> something.
1: And if you have, uh, five permanents and Gideon, and someone swings with, uh, Emrakul...
0: Yeah, you're, you're... not gonna have him to block with anyway. That's true. So, Dragon Dragonlord was previewed by Topdex, uh, by Michael Flores on Top Decks on the, uh, The Mothership. Uh, It costs two red. It's a creature, human, warrior, mythic rare, awesome art by Jason Chan, the same guy who did Jace the Mind Sculptor, Mm. and other awesome pieces. This is one of the better level-up creatures. Uh, It's a 2-2 for two red, as we mentioned. A level-up is one red. Level four through seven, it's a flying 4-4. And level 8 and higher, it's a Flying Trample 8-8 with Fire Breathing, which is one red, cargan Dragon Lord gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. I think that's really neat. I love it. I love it, too. Uh, We have been ragging on the level up thing, and I think what it really comes down to is that we've seen Figure of Destiny, and Figure of Destiny kind of had level up, but it was instant speed. And so we all have this idea of what level up should be, you know, should in quotes, um because of figure of destiny and we were kind of spoiled and so now when we see level up and its sorcery speed it's almost like a disappointment because of what our expectations for level up were if if figure of destiny hadn't been printed i i think people would like the levelers a lot more but uh, they're growing on me we don't have figure of destiny in standard so it's kind of a moot point we can't really it's not like we can compare them Side-by-side side in the same format. In extended, you can, and figure Destiny wins. I think,
1: honestly, I think the levelers are great. Um, and here's my advice to anyone who plays in pre-releases or release events or any limited events um, with Rise of the Eldrazi, uh, especially like ones that happen soon after the set is released. I think the people who go into this set with an open mind... And who aren't idealistic about how they wish the cards would have been, and look at the set with an open mind. Those are the people who are going to succeed in those tournaments. If the mechanic didn't work, it wouldn't have made it this far.
0: Right. So Aaron Forsythe tweeted something very similar. Right. He said, "Let me know when you've thought about it as much as we have." I, you know, and that's a good point. So I think really, I was disappointed with them, but I, I guess I see their potential. That's my my stance on them. Like. Do I think they're good? I don't know. But do I think they have potential to be good? Absolutely. So we'll have to see what happens. I'm going to reserve judgment, I guess, on them. But the fact is that we just kind of were spoiled with Figure of Destiny, and I think that's kind of colored everybody's opinion of the level levelers. Here's what um, I definitely want to know how you feel about Dream Dreamstone Hedron. I love it, and I hate it <laughs> at the same time. Dreamstone Hedron is an uncommon artifact for six colorless Uh, You can tap it to add three to your mana pool. You can tap three and tap it and sacrifice Dreamstone Hedron to draw three cards. It's uh, literally, well almost literally, three Mindstones stapled together. Kind of like Mindstone was a two-casting cost artifact that could add one Colorless to your mana pool and you could sacrifice it to draw a card. So this tap one is and sack. Yeah, yeah, tap one and sack it to draw a card. So it was um very similar, like this is basically the same thing times three. Being that it's six mana, it kind of defeats the purpose. The the point of Mindstone usually was to ramp up. But if you're already at six mana, yes, if you're ramping higher you if you were ramping to Eldrazi, I can absolutely see the the appeal of this because you play it and the next turn, you know. Supposedly, let's say you just hit land drops and you're on six turn six and you tap out and you play Dreamstone Hedron. Now you've got three mana to do something. Depending on what else is in your deck, you might be able to uh, to play something. You could play um, an Everlasting Chalice. On or, turn, you could play ever, Everlasting ever, Chalice. Everflowing ever, ever flowing Chalice. Ever flowing, okay.
1: Everlasting Gobstopper on turn two. <laughs> play a Jace on turn three. Um, play something else, like Wrath on turn 4, Hedron on turn 5, Iona
0: on turn 6. Right, I mean, you can definitely use it to ramp pretty well. It just seems like, uh, I guess it depends on, you can maybe play one in a deck or something, I can't see that many being played, but it really depends on the mana curve of your deck. If you're ramping that high, then sure, but, and, and I could see it in, in something like Blue-White Control, because it, Blue-White Control can make use of that three-colorless mana. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be work very well in something like uh, Grixis Control, because mm-hmm. you need those it, the three colors uh, to get something to uh, like a, work. Exactly. So Everflowing flowing yeah. Chalice is pretty bad in that deck, because Cruel Ultimatum is uh, uncastable with Chalice and Dreamstone Hadron.
1: Right.
0: But uh, the one thing that bothers me is I really don't like the art on this. Now, something with really good art is uh, Momentous Fall, and it happens to be a really good card. This is my favorite card in the set. Yeah, this is up there in mine, but go ahead.
1: Momentous Fall is two green and two more. It's an instant. It's a rare. As an additional cost to cast Momentous Fall, sacrifice a creature. You draw cards equal to the sacrificed creature's power. Then you gain life equal to its toughness. At instant speed? Yeah. green? Where, like... Well, uh, goodbye, color pie. It <laughs> well, was nice to know The you. thing is, you're
0: sacrificing a creature. It reminds me of Fecundity a little bit, which was... Uh, yeah, but, I mean,
1: like, somebody mentioned Greater Good, and I don't even know what the hell that does. Well, but.
0: Fecundity is an, uh, an enchantment from uh, originally from Urza's Saga, and it's whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, that creature's controller may draw a card. Um, greater Good is uh, was originally in Saga as well, and it costs the same as Momentous Fall, uh, two green and two more. It's an enchantment. You can sacrifice a creature to draw cards equal to a sacrificed creature's power, then discard three cards. So this is greater than greater good. This is greatest good, until the better one comes out. <laughs> but, I mean, it, uh, Momentous Fall, I, I, don't, I can understand, like because you're looking at it going instant speed card draw, that doesn't belong in green. But the thing is, it's very based on your creatures, which is totally green.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's there. It's just funny, like it's I'm probably the best instant speed card draw spell in standard right now,
0: except for maybe um, Esper Charm, which I think oh, is, yeah. is better. Well,
1: Esper Charm, yeah.
0: But this is just this is great because you use it to respond to uh, to some kind of removal or maybe a wrath or something like that. You know, you've got something decent on the on the board. And somebody tries to remove it, and you just sacrifice the creature and draw some cards. Like, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, I mean, that's, to me, seems like the best application of it. Uh, And the artwork for it, I just love it. It's like all these, like, guys kind of just climbing over, like, the corpse of an Eldrazi. But the most impressive thing to me about the artwork is the the sky behind it. The clouds look amazing with, Mm -hmm. like, the sun behind it. I, I mean... I'm an art major, or I was an art major and a video major in college, and I can't get enough of this kind of artwork that looks this this great. Um, we did get confirmation on Eldrazi Temple, which uh, had been rumored for a long time. It's a land, it's a rare. Tap it to add one colorless to your mana pool, or tap it to add two colorless to your mana pool that you can spend only on Eldrazi spells, uh, colorless Eldrazi spells, or activate abilities of colorless... Eldrazi. So, uh, it's got some limitations, but in a deck that's focusing on Eldrazi, it's not legendary, so, I mean, there's a potential for a colorless deck out it's there. It's mean, rare, though. And that,
1: that was the thing that was interesting, like, because it was, people thought it was uncommon. And yeah. So, it turned out it's rare, um, which is worth noting. Yeah, I mean... So, it's, it's not going to be as easily available in like your sealed pools oh, right, or in yeah. your booster drafts um, I mean it, I think it might have really warped the format a little bit if they were to uh, print it at Uncommon so I feel Rare is appropriate but you know mm-hmm. a little a little sad to not see it at Uncommon so I was really yeah. hoping to like have a good chance of pulling one of those at like
0: pre-release or at a booster draft or something but oh well but yeah, I mean it's there's there's something available like for uh, colorless decks or near colorless decks. I think um if you build a deck around basically a lot of colorless uh stuff and then just pick like a color, you know, as your as your one color to to deal with things, maybe whatever you want to do like I mean blue or white, I I of course skew towards those, <laughs> but um it, it just seems like this could be disgusting when you're going um, Eldrazi Temple and Eye of Ugin and suddenly those Eldrazi that cost 10 are basically coming out way sooner. Um, I mean, and there's other ways to ramp, too. For example, Nirvana Revenant, who I cannot look at without seeing Nirvana relevant. <laughs> but Nirvana Revenant was uh, spoiled by Kelly Reed on Quiet Speculation. It's a 4-4 vampire shade mythic rare for two black and four more. Whenever you tap a swamp for mana, add one black to your mana pool in addition to the mana the land produces. Um, and it's uh, got the ability, tap a black to add, I'm sorry, it's got the ability, tap a black Nirkana revenant gets plus one plus one until I end of turn. The typical shade ability. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a one-sided mana flare for swamps, but <laughs> is also a four-four that can pump. So, I mean, That's pretty neat. I don't know that it's going to fit anywhere in standard, but it's a way to ramp your mana if you've... Love it. Palaka Worm. Love it. Go ahead and read it. Ridiculous. Palaka Worm. Three green
1: and four colorless creature worm. Seven, seven trample. For seven. Classic green spell. Uncommon. Whenever Palaka Worm enters the battlefield, or whenever it enters the (laughs) battlefield, I'm going to come and go as I please. (laughs) <laughs> when Palaka Worm enters the battlefield, you gain seven life. When it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw draw a card. So ridiculous. I
0: mean, it's just, it's just cool. It huh. is it is really neat for green to be getting these kind of things. I think Ken Nagel had something to do with some of this. I don't know. You he surprised. does seem to like... Uh, he likes the fatties, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Magmaw. Magmaw. That, that one's not even that interesting to me, but if you like it, it's a 4-4 four, for four, 5. Two red and three colorless. Creature Elemental Rare, tap a colorless and sacrifice a non-land permanent. Magma deals 1 damage to target creature or player. I look at this and I'm like, meh. Nah. But I did the same thing with Arcslogger, and Arkslogger was good, so... Yeah, I
1: mean, it seems interesting. I mean, who knows? Eldrazi Conscription, this one made my jaw drop. This one made me put four uh, Earl the Miststalkers in a shopping cart online right away. Uh, Eldrazi Conscription costs 8. Tribal Enchantment, Eldrazi Aura... Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus ten, plus ten, and has Trample and Annihilator, too.
0: That's disgusting.
1: That is so stupid. I love it. Uh, that equipment's kind of cool. This is the first equipment we've seen, so there are equipment. Hedron
0: Matrix. You want to read it?
1: Sure. It costs four. It's an equipment artifact. It's rare.
0: Oh, by the way, Aldrazi Conscription is also rare. I don't think you mentioned Oh, Cool.
1: Equipped creature gets plus X, plus X, where X is its converted mana cost. Equipped four. A little expensive, but uh, it's a pretty big boost to some of the big casting cost creatures in the set. Yeah. You know? Um, Say you...
0: It's not good on the levelers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. I mean, if you get that Colony Hydra out... Oh my god. For free you got the formata to equip him with this thing and make him a sixteen sixteen. I mean, that's just uh, got some uh, Timmy applications all over the damn place.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, um...
0: What do you think of this guy? Do you like him? Aura Gnarled?
1: It seems interesting because of the fact that it gets plus one, plus one for each Aura on the battlefield.
0: Yeah, it kind of it reminds me of, um, what is it? and Yabamaya Enchantress. Right. But, right like each...
1: a, but almost like a better enchantment. Enchantress.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's a Yavamaya Enchantress, except it also has the additional ability of creatures with power less than Ara Narlud's power can't block it. So it's got the uh, kind of can't-be-chump-blocked kind of uh, ability, which is pretty relevant. I mean, right now, I can tell you right now, like, Martial Coup is something that I use, and I'm like, because I can sit and chump-block all day, but can't chump-block this guy. Um, I can't even gang-block him because they all have less power <laughs> than he would. Mm-hmm. So, um and he's a common, so he'll, uh, he'll be around in limited if we see uh, enchantments and auras. Well we've uh, seen a lot of... Actually, of this, is, this is for auras, not just enchantments. That I not totally en- was thinking right. just enchantments. Wow, so they need to be auras, I see. I'm thinking, like, this is a strict upgrade from Yavami Enchantress, but it's actually not necessarily. We need to see how many auras are around. Because for her, for Enchantress, it's just enchantments.
1: Oh, yeah, you've got a point. I forgot that enchantments weren't all auras. Right, that's what I'm saying. Mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: so like, you get, it's you could have uh, non-aura enchantments. Um, Sphinx of Magosi, I'm excited about this guy. He's a 6-6 six, six for six, 6. But he's not six a demon. Again. Yeah, 6-6 six, six again. But, Joe was
1: throwing up to Devil Horns, y'all couldn't see it, but yeah, straight
0: devil, up. Rock and roll. Anyway. Uh, uh, three blue and three more. Creature Sphinx, rare. It's also, I believe, the rare in the... Um, is it is it the rare in the intro packs or you know they're not 100% sure. I know Conquering
1: Manicore is the black one. You mean the, I mean, red, the one. red one. Yeah, I'm <laughs> looking right at him. Black.
0: <laughs> but Sphinx of Magosi is 6 6 flying. Uh you ha- can pay a blue and two more to draw a card and then put a plus one plus one counter on Sphinx of Magosi. God that's that's awesome. That's great. Like that's a cool fat sphinx creature. Like I mean, yeah, it costs 6. That's not really that big of a deal, but to just have it sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to draw a card, I'm going to draw a card. I mean, you, in a control deck, you know, that has just paid six mana, you've, you've got the, the mana to pay, you know, pay three and draw a card and, you know, have cancel mana up still. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. No, it doesn't have shroud. That makes me sad, but <laughs> otherwise it's pretty cool. Um, and again, the artwork is fantastic. The artwork in this set really is blowing me away. In, yeah, in most really cases, off,
1: off the wall. Now here's uh, the second the card I'm second most excited for: Student of Warfare. Um, Student of Warfare costs a white. He's a one-one human knight, rare. Level up one white. Levels two through six. He's a three-three first striker. Love that level, two. I, I mean, mean, like, gotta get to that level, two. I mean, and it's then
0: a 3-3 three, three for striker for 3-white. Nothing wrong with that.
1: Right, exactly. Um, and then level 7 and up, it's a 4-4 four, four double strike. I think it's great. I, I like think it's too. so great. I want to fetch him up with Ranger Bios all day.
0: <laughs> uh, pestilence Demon is exactly what you'd think he is if you know what Pestilence is. <laughs> He's a demon with Pestilence on him. Uh seven six for three black and five more, so for eight converted mana cost, seven six flying, creature demon rare, pestilence. pestilence, which is one black, pestilence demon deals one damage to each creature in each player. Pestilence was pretty sick in limited, and it's definitely been played in constructed decks as well. And it's
1: like the one of the best cards in pauper from what I've been told. told oh, about. that's right. Yeah. It's like Pestilence, play it, win the game.
0: Right. Pestilence was an enchantment for two black and two more, and uh, at the end of turn, if there were no creatures in play, you had to sacrifice it, but it had that ability, tap a black, Pestilence deals one damage to each creature in each player. So, basically, you can just keep the board clear. With Pestilence, once you cleared the board, you had to sacrifice it, but with Pestilence Demon, you have the option to just deal, you know, say five damage to everything, if necessary. Um... Except Baneslayer Angel. I was just thinking, oh, you can kill Baneslayers. No, you can't. <laughs> it's like they make these demons to deliberately like make Baneslayer Angel better. It's like, you think you get?
1: Can... Nope, no, you can't. Like, oh, I can oh, clear the board, oh, sorry, except for killing
0: Baneslayer Angel. Where's the,
1: um... Where's the, uh... Flash guy. Affa Guard Hound is a white and two. Creature Hound... It's got flash. It's two two uncommon. When Alpha Guard Hound enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus O plus three until end of turn. Neat little combat trick and a two two body to boot. Oh, it, so, where'd uh, that Where'd that guy go? That new leveler. All right, so we've got. Uh, can you talk about
0: Keeningstone for sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead and talk about Keeningstone. Yeah,
1: so this one was just spoiled today. Mark Rosewater was playing a game where it was like. He gave us the amount of letters and the number of words, and we had to uh, guess the name every time we got a letter right, he filled it in until we got it right. Anyway, it's Keening Stone, And this would be really exciting to me a year ago, but now I'm just kind of blah about it. Uh, It costs six, it's a rare artifact. Tap five and tap it. Target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards in that player's graveyard. Would be awesome if there weren't um Gaia's Blessing 12 <laughs> Gaia's Blessings legal per deck. Yeah. In standard. Um, but otherwise it's interesting. It's it's another way to enable the standard dredge deck if you really if you for some reason can't win by turn six with that deck. Um, so
0: Echo Mage costs two blue and one more. He's a creature human wizard, a rare, and he's a leveler. Um, he's a two three. Level him up for uh, blue and one more. On level two to three, he basically has twin cast. You uh, he can tap him and two blue, copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy, and he's a two four. And then level four and higher, you can do the same thing, except you copy the uh, for the same cost of tapping him and two blue. You can copy target instant or sorcery spell twice. You may choose new targets for the copies, and he's a two-five. So uh, that's kind of interesting. I, I don't know. Like it's a twin cast on legs, so I, I really don't know where he's playable right now. But it's neat that to have a twin cast on legs. Really, I mean. So that's what we have for spoilers. Um, the set is looking better and better, uh, yeah. which I guess you, you hope it's going to look better and better and not worse and worse.
1: Um, we'll take a five-minute break and then. Uh...
0: Yeah, we'll be back with some talk about pretzels. And we're back. So, do you want to uh, talk about this guy's blog? Five with Flores or something like that? Five five with Flowers? Flores. Five Five with...
1: (laughs) He's the real severe looking guy I saw on the cover of that book on your bookshelf, right? Yeah, the
0: one that, uh, what you call, Decade. Yeah, And we do this shit every week where we like act like we don't know who Mike Flores is. <laughs> so anyway, Mike Flores at 5withflores.com, who also writes top decks on Daily MTG, who also is a uh, well-known deck builder a la Bob Vila, um, <laughs> has been blogging as of late. So we were pretty excited to see him post a blog the other day, and then pretty excited to see him post another blog the other day, and then... It kind of shocked that he posted a third blog the other day and then he posted another blog yesterday or last night in the middle of the night or early this morning and all these blogs are very cool to read all these uh, posts so let's uh, let's see first you talk about Sarkin the Mad
1: yeah we're so gonna you, go all the way back to that let's yeah let's
0: out. start with that because it's, it's uh,
1: God, we gotta go all we gotta skip like, back like two pages yeah Right. Um, so we started with a post about uh, Sark and the Mad, uh, inspired by me. I'd like to say, That's inspired true, yeah. by us, our discussion, and then my blabbing to Mike as soon as our discussion was over. Hey, Mike! Like, don't you think this is great? And then, <laughs> uh, fortunately for the world, my little tweet to him resulted in this blog post about Sark and the Mad. So, so wait, kick
0: ass! Don't get a big head about it. Big head Joe. <laughs> well, you know. So, anyway, he
1: was talking about Sarkin the Mad here. And, um, just wanna, you know, basically, basically what he says on here is that, uh, he's really good for the reasons we discussed in episode 16. Right? Like in Jund? Yeah, in Jund especially, he's fantastic. I mean, think about Broodmate Dragon swinging in, and then him going off on his ultimate and dealing eight more damage with the broodmates.
0: I don't know. It seems really sick in Jund. Sarkin just seems like he can really enable some really awesome things. And then, uh, also, just to mention, Kelly Reed wrote a post about Sarkin the Mad on Quiet Speculation, and he was going off about the first ability, the fact that, uh, you know... The for a black-red. Black yeah, for a black-red deck non-Jund. The burn. He did, like, some math and basically figured how many... He figured how... Like sarkin is going to be uh drawing a certain number of cards on average, and um you know it's it's pretty impressive like he's he's not as high as Gideon Jura as far as his price right now, but he's uh i can't imagine him staying very low i mean wh- what is he right now maybe twenty bucks fifteen bucks I think fifteen's about accurate yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens with him um Mike also went on to post a uh blog about the Naya Allies deck that's been kind of popping up recently. Um, Allies actually are winning constructed tournaments on uh in standard online and um and also uh, you know, I suppose showing up in real life as well, but they haven't made a showing a big showing in any uh, pro tours or grand prix as far as I I know, but um you know, this particular version of Naya Allies runs Bloodbraid Elf which, of course, is like the best card in Standard pretty much right now, or at least one of the best cards in Standard, and uh, being able to cascade into allies is pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome, actually. I think the uh,
1: cascade into a Battle Battlesinger is kind of sick. What does the Battlesinger do? It's the one that uh, gives allies plus one, plus zero, and haste until end of turn. That's pretty fun. Like, yeah. you cascade into him, and it... You get all the ally triggers, and they all get an additional plus one plus zero And they get, and well, the you know, the battle singer gets haste essentially at that point, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're tapping out for a blood braid into a singer, mm-hmm. the singer gets haste, which is that's cool. Yeah, I like it. Neat idea. Um, Mike did an extremely detailed blog on the card Gelatinous Genesis. Um, and thanks. For Mike Flores writing essays about cards other people have just kind of looked at and went, yeah. that's neat, and like moved on. Like us, yeah. And yeah. especially like me, I was like, eh, neat, oof, whatever. But thank, thanks for people like Mike for making us think harder about stuff we otherwise wouldn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like doing the actual math and showing like the comparison to something else. Like what he did was basically break down at each mana cost what gelatin, gelatinous genesis does and how that compares to other things at the same mana cost so you know he starts off with like uh comparing it to um grizzly fate yeah well it, it starts well, off it at, starts at three three mana because it's useless below three mana. it actually does nothing um but at three mana it's kind of like a pick knight or pike knight i don't know without the cantripness as mike says um which you know isn't really that great. But uh then at 5 mana because it has you have to go up by multiples of 2 um because you know the due to the casting cost of gelatinous genesis. Gosh, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> um so at 5 mana it's kind of like grizzly fate. Um or you know, he compares it to turn timber ranger a little bit, but turn timber ranger seems a little better. Um or, or even uh, Beastial Menace, you know, obviously is better as well. But the the impressive thing about Gelatinous Genesis is that it's uh, it's versatile. You can play it at three. You can't do that with. Is, is, is Gelatinous
1: Genesis what happens when you throw napalm on Phil Collins?
0: At seven mana, Gelatinous Genesis, uh, you know, starts becoming a lot more impressive. You know, being putting three three threes on the uh, on the board. So um, at nine mana comparable to, you know, Iona, that, that's what Mike compares it to, which to me seems about right, it's the probably the best 9 mana spell in standard, how, how, what does it do with 9 mana, it puts like a 16 power worth on the board, like mm-hmm. 4 four fours. Mm-hmm. so, uh, and then uh, all the way up to 11 mana, and compares it to Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, did you see that? Yeah, the pronunciation, I, I, I put a little pronunciation key in there, because we pronounced it wrong last week. Anyway, definitely check that out. So yeah, Mike basically does the math for us. So go to fivewithflores.com and read that. He also did a blog on my buddy Gideon Jura. Mike doesn't seem so high on him, you know, compared, you know, compared to how high I am on this card. But um, you know, he he's obviously it's not like he's unimpressed with him. But did you didn't you have something to say about this earlier, Joe? Did I? I don't know. You brought it up earlier. Um, I think you were mainly kind of surprised that Mike wasn't as high on him as we were. Because, basically, Mike's uh, kind of, what is it, his ratings? Um.
1: Yeah, his Snap Judgment rating. He said if there was a rating between role player and Staple, he would have put Gideon in between those two. Um, but I think that, I mean, for any control-based deck, I mean, and even like...
0: It's good in an aggro deck, too, because I it's kind of aggro like... aggro aggro? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, kind can, of like a sleep. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, and it's, it's in cool. white, so you don't actually have to play blue. You could play something like, I don't know, white weenie, and then have your opponent tap out. That's actually uh,
1: what I'm, like, I think the most excited about yeah. is Gideon with white weenie.
0: I think the, um, the big thing is everybody's, uh... You have
1: to remember he's a soldier.
0: Yeah, and that that's actually relevant to soldier decks. Mm-hmm. So, um... Interesting. I didn't even think about that, but that's because I'm not looking at soldier uh, interactions.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I'm barely looking at them. But you didn't know, notice. But yeah. I was like, well, that is something to keep in mind. You yeah. Know, it is a soldier, so if there's a soldier so, yeah. card that goes well with it, then...
0: So it might compare as Gideon to Baneslayer Angel due to the casting costs because obviously identical casting costs. And I, I think that tends to be what a lot of people might do. Um, and this is what we were talking about before in the car, and I think I stopped us from continuing because we didn't want to exhaust it and forget about it for the podcast, which we almost just did. Right. Um, but the thing with Gideon, okay, he costs the same as Baneslayer Angel, and yes, as a as a creature, he's not as good. Baneslayer Angel's pretty ridiculous, as everybody knows, but, um, and, and I think people's opinions of five mana spells are entirely different, especially in white because of Baneslayer Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my uh response to that is that Gideon doesn't die to a number of the things that Baneslayer does die to. Um, you know Gideon firstly if you haven't activated his his ultimate, his zero ability, you know he doesn't die to any creature removal. Um If you have, he only dies to instant speed creature removal. And, you know, of course, this is the same stuff that Baneslayer could die to. Although he does not die to instant speed burn, um, which Baneslayer does. And, of course, it's great when somebody double lightning bolts your Baneslayer Angel because that's a pretty decent trade, I think. You know, but still, uh, Gideon doesn't die to double bolt because all the damage dealt to him is prevented. I said he doesn't die to double bolt. He only doesn't die to double bolt when he's a creature, he dies he to double bolt just fine otherwise, but so does Baneslayer Angel. So, uh, you know, he seems a little more resilient, or or uh, just, he's less, he, there's less that affects him. And as far as like something like Oblivion Ring, which can kill Planeswalkers, you know, Baneslayer Angel is susceptible to that just as well. There are a lot more spells out there that affect Baneslayer than affect Gideon, so he's... He's stronger in that sense. And um, and he's got you know, these other kind of abilities. He's got the ability to survive a wrath because you just don't turn him into a creature ahead of time. And um, Obviously, Baneslayer Angel's good, and I'm not trying to say he's better than Baneslayer Angel exactly, but I'm just saying he's got uh, more versatility than Baneslayer. Um, Baneslayer may win you more games that you shouldn't ever win than Gideon does because he may just end up being a fog for a turn and that turn may not be enough where Baneslayer might drop and if they can't deal with it you start gaining life You know, or they're not going to attack into you and that's a fog for the turn plus you have a 5-5 five five. You know, I can see Baneslayer obviously being, uh, being better in plenty of situations but I just I, I think Gideon's really fantastic and I, I kind of think I have a higher opinion of him than Mike does I understand
1: Mike's argument with the Life Link, the Life Swing there, but, like, if you think about it in a way, once the Baneslayer's sideways, that Life Swing is being made up for, but at the same time, this guy kind of makes up for it. The way I'm looking at it is you've got 5 mana for Flying, First Strike, Life Link. The ability on uh, the Prevent All Damage ability is, like, protection from demons. <laughs>
0: oh, so and you're, like, comparing, like, okay, the first strike that there's is, There's so is many
1: like, keyword abilities. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this thing has a, a lot of things that it does. So
0: you're saying, like, okay, trade you first strike for the ability to make your guys all attack me. And I'll trade you lifelink for the ability to destroy a tapped creature. And I'll trade you the protection from demons and dragons for uh, the ability to have this guy have protection from damage. right? You know? <laughs> something like that. So... I mean, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. No it's worries. interesting, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting, the little trade-offs.
1: I mean, like, yeah, there are different abilities, but there are a lot of them, and I think that all of Gideon's are relevant and significant.
0: And yeah, it's definitely about context, too.
1: Sure. Exactly. I, th- I think I think this, this this cat will find a home in a lot of decks, uh, including my own. Honestly, like, I just want to team him up with Elspeth and throw him in the air,
0: yeah, that's pretty funny. Once Gideon's out for a turn, then you're throwing. You've got him into two
1: chump blockers to prevent counters from being removed from. Him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good
0: call too. You being know. able to like you know sit, uh, stick an Elspeth and make a creature two turns in a row, so you've got two guys and drop Gideon, and then you know turn six. make them make all him, attack make or, him a creature, yeah, and,
1: make them all attack you their next turn, so they tap out. Right, you got the two chump blockers if necessary, or you let right. his counters drop a little, and then you can throw him in the air. Throw him in the air with Elspeth, or uh, or if there's no reason to throw him in the air, just turn him sideways and throw one of the tokens in the air and yeah, survive. Like you
0: know. Um, and Mike makes a good point about Baneslayer being in control decks. It's not very uh, often that it's going to stick around in a control deck because there's not. Not any other creatures to draw fire, you know, like uh, to draw the removal spells away. So in a control deck, you st- it's harder to stick the Baneslayer, mm-hmm. and it's going to be easier to stick Gideon. And I think that's what colors my opinion of him, because I'm thinking from the control angle and not really from the, uh, the aggro angle of things. I mean, Baneslayer Angel shines in a deck that has other creatures to, uh, to draw all the removal spells. So, anyway, that was a particularly interesting, um, post, I thought, I guess, because I like Gideon so much, and I like what Mike has to say about things, and so what Mike has to say about Gideon is quite interesting to me. Um, and then, lastly, today, and this was another interesting, and I think it will be particularly, uh, exciting to Mr. Scotty Mack, who's been working on an Esper deck, and I think he's been asking for Flores' list for a while, and, and, um, Basically, this is uh, this is Mike's post-Worldwake Esper build um, using Resounding Wave, actually, as kind of like the the cruel cool ultimatum of the deck. And it's a good point. Like, being able to use it, um, you know, as as a three-mana spell, it does target lands, which is relevant, especially when he's got four Spreading Seas in the deck. I mean, you can totally put your opponent... Uh, you can kind of mana screw your opponent, back them up a bit, and um, yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty strong. It's funny how these cards that like y- you might look at them and be like, "Oh wow, that's re- that could be really good. Maybe I'll use it." And then like you don't use it, and then months go by, and then suddenly, like somebody brings it up again, brings it up again, and it's like, "Oh wow, that actually, that that is as good as I thought it was, or it, it could be that good." It just yeah, I completely forgot about Resounding Wave until today. Um it's, it's a really neat list. It's got, like, the, uh, the four Jace the Mind Sculptor and, and two Sorens and one Elspeth. Um, Thomas Dodd, who is Amistad on Twitter, uh, apparently had some influence on this list. Specifically, I think, the Mana Basin. I think, actually, Thomas Dodd made, built an Esper list, and I think kind of...
1: Well, I like, I like this. Our friend Thomas Dodd even made Top 8 at MTGO PE with an Esper deck. I decided to go with Thomas's cut an expensive card with the from the Flores list strategy. Yeah. So I cut one Soren Markov for one Elspeth in the main of this version.
0: I think that seems right. I think I'd have, you know, I think I I tend to, uh, I think two Sorens is right. But Mike thinks it might go back up to three. I guess I'm not as high on Soren. I like Soren, but I just don't think he's so strong. I've, I don't think I've played more than two in a deck.
1: I like this list.
0: Yeah, I like it too. It really... It's... Mike said, uh... Can you really think of anything better you can do with three mana than an Esper Charm? (laughs) And it's like... That's exactly kind of how I felt before we started seeing Treasure Hunt and things. Not to say Treasure Hunt's as good. But I think, uh... I was so high and keen on using... On building an Esper deck just because Esper Charm is so good. It's like... It's like the best spell... The best three mana spell that I can think of. So, uh... But I, I tended to um, I tend to go towards mana consistency, so being being able to cut black. Because I felt like what Esper Charm does, I can kind of get... Um, I can get the some of the advantages of Esper Charm out of uh, Treasure Hunt and Jace and Halimar Depths and things like that. So I felt like Esper Charm was fantastic before World Wake, and now it's kind of got some competition. And for me... I didn't want to just play black just to be able to play Esper Charm. I, I thought like it was more. I, I felt more comfortable going with just blue white and then sticking with the treasure hunt kind of uh, strategy with along with Jason Halimar Depths to get my card advantage and card quality and things. So, um, but yeah, this, this list is still really exciting. So yeah, definitely check out Mike's recent blogs fivewithflores.com. Uh, we will link it in the show notes, as always. And uh, check out Mike's podcast on Top8Magic, where he uh, where he and BDM podcast. They've been posting more and more podcasts recently, too, which is pretty awesome. I haven't even listened to the most recent ones yet. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. To uh, If you want to contact us, we're yomtgtaps at gmail.com. You can check out our website at iwantmymtg.com. You can get past episodes there. You can also get the past episodes at uh, mtgcast.com. Um, we are now available also on the StarkingtonPost.com and o2drop.com. That's zero2drop.com. That's right. No hyphen, just hype. Um, Damn right. And uh, check out Mike's blog at fivewithflores.com, the podcast at top8magic.com.
1: And remember, next month, the party's at the Wingate.
0: That's right, GPDC, Wingate Hotel. Uh, it sounds like everybody is staying at the Wingate. I wonder if that the other hotel has anybody staying in it. But, um, yeah, we'll be there. Uh, a lot of people will be there. The like, party is at the Wingate. That's right. Just um, keep telling yourselves that. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. You can follow me on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. You can... Um, Check out our Facebook group. Just search for Yo MTG taps. You mm-hmm. can find us on YouTube at uh, YouTube.com slash taps. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. I've seen all the episodes.
1: I know all the secret codes of where I go. I don't need roads. Party on, Wayne,
0: and party on guard!
1: Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! It's Friday, it's 11.30, and it's time to party with your host, Wayne Campbell, and with him, as always,
0: is Guard! Party on, Wayne, and party on guard! Neho Campbell! You don't have to say you look pretty in Japanese! Can't, can't Can be, you can't, you can't, you can't,
1: Campbell, you don't have to say you look pretty in camp. <laughs> hit bust a move where the games are played, it's chill, it's fresh, it's Noah's arcade. <laughs> <laughs> Got this part where I rap. <laughs> Gretzky is denied, choke in the open net. <laughs> <laughs>